I'm excited to continue talking with you about roots. And uh, we've been kind of going on this journey the last few weeks talking about um, really setting root. And the whole concept being that uh, we want to get stronger in our roots um, in Christ and Christianity and who we are. You know, I, I hear so many situations where uh, people fall out of love with Jesus. And so many times it often happens because we haven't set good roots. And so I want to I want to continue that tonight. And we're going to um, we're going to dig into something that I didn't I didn't plan on digging into. Um, I uh, I pretty much knew what I was going to speak on this week, like four weeks ago. Like it was like set in stone. It was like, hey, that Saturday is the Saturday that you're talking about this. And I was like, cool, you know, and I was, I've been getting ready for it and I've got, you know, pages of notes and this morning I was, you know, working on it and then I called Beth and I was like, oh no. She was like, what? I was like, that's not what I get to talk about now. And so I was like, I got something else coming on. And so, so we're going to, um, we're going to be talking about, um, generosity, um, I believe that we serve a generous Jesus. I believe that. And as I was preparing um, another sermon, <laughs> um, even when I, I pulled away, and I had I had I had everything done. I had everything done, and uh, but I didn't, I didn't feel like cool. You know what I mean? Like usually when I'm when I'm done, I'm like cool. Um, when I walk away and I don't feel like that, I'm like oh no. You know, more like this, like, oh no, what's, what's, what's about to happen? And I drove away and I called Beth and I was like, I think this is going on. And she was like, I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, so we're going to talk about a generous Jesus. And I want you to turn with me um, to Exodus chapter 36. Exodus chapter 36. Now, when I read this passage in Exodus, um, I want to preface it and let you know, this is actually um, another one of my favorite passages and stories in the Bible. And it's something that um, we've prayed for this church, and I believe is happening even now, but we've, we've prayed this type of a situation for, for Real Church Goshen. And so when, when I read this, um, I want to let you know I'm going to butcher two names that's in this passage, just so you know. Um, so the scholars out there can maybe school me later. Uh, but I, I want to read, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And I want to talk about this concept of a generous Jesus. It says in Exodus chapter 36, verse 1. So Bezalel, see, I told you, Ohio, and every skilled person to whom the Lord was give, has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oliab. Oh see, I told you I did it twice. The good news is, folks, is after that they don't say their names anymore. I was going to say this dude and that dude. But I was like, I'll try it one more time. Then Moses summoned this dude and that dude. <laughs> and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought. To carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will. Say free will. Free will. To bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers 
who were doing all the work on the sanctuary, left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Now, I love, love, love this passage. The reason I love this passage is because in... Most of my life, when I have sat in church or I have been a part of church, there has always been this time of every single service that is a plea for money. Has anyone experienced that? Okay, cool. 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 So everywhere that I've ever been, there's always a time. It can take anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes to have a plea for money. And... This passage has, has jumped out at me for years because I love the fact that what's, what's happening here is they're rebuilding the sanctuary. They're rebuilding the temple. And what happens is Moses, right? Am I right here? Am I getting this wrong? Moses has to say to the people, stop bringing stuff because they are so passionate about rebuilding the sanctuary. That the people are completely invested in and they continue. It says morning after morning, they continue to bring offering after offering. And I love what it says, free will. Free will offerings. Not, hey, I'm giving you 20, 30 minutes to guilt you into why you need to give some money today. Free will offerings that they continue to bring, continue to bring to the point to where Moses said, please stop giving. Now, I have yet to hear... Anyone in the church say, please stop giving. <laughs> I've, yet, I've yet to hear that. Um, but when I, when I read that um, many, many years ago, and I can remember Bethany and I talking about being a place that had so much that we constantly were giving. That's, that's our heart. That, that's our heart for this church. That's our heart for our life. And so... I, I believe that this is the kind of body that God is wanting to build here. And I believe it is the type of body that God is already building here. Because for those of you that may or may not know, I'm, I'm going to check myself before I wreck myself, um, make sure I ain't wrong about this. I have yet to ask for an offering here, right? Have I asked for an offering in service yet? I don't think so. Yeah, okay. I don't think I have, okay. And... What I, what I want, what we always wanted when we always set out this journey was we wanted to create an environment where people felt the ability to give, but not the pressure to give. Because the pressure doesn't come from this region, right? It's not like the job of the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist is to just put all the pressure on you and walk away. That's, that's not it. And we have prayed and believed that we'll be, we will be a church that will not be hoarders. Not just because we don't have enough space to hoard things. <laughs> because we, but that's not who we are. That's not who we want to be. We want to be known for being generous. And I can remember uh, Beth and I, when we were starting out on the, the church planning journey, we had to go make a presentation to what was called the church planning committee, right? Is that what they were called? Church planning com committee, something like that, um, for our denomination. 
So we had to take a trip up to Columbus. We had to sit down. There was four or five pastors that were on this committee. And what we had to do is we had to cast vision and uh, kind of tell them what God had put in our heart and what, what we wanted to, to do in Goshen. And so we went and we made this, you know, we made our spiel and we showed them all our cool stuff and uh, we told them how cool we were. And um, I don't think, did I wear flannel? I don't know that I wore flannel. I probably, I was probably a little more cautious going there, um, just a little bit more. And so I remember going there and uh, when we talked about the boldly generous piece to the vision that God had given, right, this whole concept of taking 50% of everything over the operating expenses and giving them back. They looked at us like we were insane. <laughs> and one pastor actually said to me, um, Tom, I, I hear what you're saying there, um, but how do you intend to get people to give? And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? Like in terms of like taking up offerings and stuff? And he's like, well, well yeah. And I was like, well, we're not, we're not going to take up offerings. <laughs> And he was like, what? Right? And the concept behind that isn't, isn't a concept that isn't rooted in the word. Okay? Um, now, I, I, I'm not saying that churches should take up offerings. Don't, don't get me wrong in that. I'm not saying any of that. Um, but how many of you believe that we serve a generous Jesus? I believe that. Now, how many believe that this, if he is generous, that he too has called us to be generous? He has. He has called us to be a generous people. Right now I'm going through a class um, around uh, biblical um, financial management, something like that. I don't remember what it's called. It's got a fancy term for it. But they've got me reading this book that's called Christians in an Age of Wealth. And, I, and this, this, is, this leaped out to me. And it says here that um, if American Christians... Gave just 10% of their income, an additional $133 billion would be freed up for ministry. And it actually only takes $70 to $80 billion a year to eradicate world poverty. And I read that and I was like, good night, Dallas. That's crazy, right? That's, that's absolutely insane. And I'll be honest with you. I hesitate to speak about this topic and to speak about generosity in, gen in general. This is not... This is not my comfort zone. This is why I kind of like the other thing I was working on. Um, because there's such a stigma associated with doing so. There is such a stigma. But I believe that generosity is a part of our root base. And I believe that it, it, is, it is. The reason it is is because, and we're going to talk about this, is because it was part of what Jesus did. It was part of what Jesus taught us. It was part of what Jesus continued to point us towards while he was here. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. Say this with me. Say, I will not. Hate Tom. Hate Tom. Hate Tom. Thank you. <laughs> say, I, say this. I say, I will not be mad at Tom. Okay, I just want to make sure you wouldn't be mad or hate Because people are like, well, I ain't going to hate him. I'm just going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to you this, this concept of a generous Jesus. I want to talk to you biblically about where this is founded and where this comes up. Now, I, I'm going to share some of my own personal stories along this journey. And I hope you understand that when I tell you this is an uncomfortable conversation for me to have, I mean that. All right? This is an uncomfortable conversation. But at the same time, the Word of God teaches us to be generous. And I, I want to make sure that you understand because there is something 
and this word for us to tap into when it comes to generosity. The word holds a promise, and we're going to turn to Malachi chapter 3, because I want to read and share with you what the word of the Lord says about this. Now, this is, um, this is a, a passage that a lot of people will turn to when they talk about giving. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm, I'm saying this is spot on exactly what we should do, but I think there is, I think there is significance to what this word says in Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 6 through 12. It says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Now, what I love happens here is I love this dialogue that, that God starts to have with them because God starts to speak from their point of view and then answer from his point of view. And I just I love this conversation that, that God has here. It says, it says, but you ask, how are we to return? Will, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. We talk about how we are not supposed to test God. We talk about this a lot. We talk about it specifically because there's this, the, the time when Jesus is tempted and Jesus even says, hey, you're not to tempt the Lord thy God. This is the one area that God actually speaks and says, test me. It's one of the only areas where he says, test me and watch what I can do. And test me and watch what I will do. Now, if, I, if the word of God points to us a moment where God says, test me so that you can experience a promise that I have for you, we should put some weight to that test, I believe, right? I mean, there, there's some weight to that. And this has got to be a part of our root base for who we are. Now, see, this is, this is to be quite honest, we do test God in a whole lot of other areas. I like to say that sometimes my kids test my patience, <laughs> right? No one's, no, you yeah. know. No one else's kids testing what's been. Wait, your kids test your patients too? We should talk about this sometime. <laughs> they test their patients, right? Part of the problem that I believe that has happened in the church is that the church has preached that we are to be a generous people. But then the church hasn't walked out being a generous person itself. So what has happened is we have retreated to take generosity into our own hands. Instead of allowing the church to be generous. Because the church, the church hasn't historically been the best at being generous. I mean, listen, there's, there's, I can probably count off the top of my head how many times Beth and I have just shown up at a church. Not knowing what's going on. Never being there before. And there is some huge thing to raise money for something for inside the walls. 
But rarely have we been to a church where when you show up, they're raising money for something outside the walls. Except for if, like, it's an awning or something off the church. Right? <laughs> right? right? We, we have created an atmosphere in the church where people are afraid to give to the church because there is an uncertainty of what is actually going to happen with it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Listen, this is, this is a problem that is hard to shake. Because even though I look in there, and if American Christians tithe 10% of their income, $133 billion, and we know that poverty can be eradicated with 70 to 80 billion, there's a good chance that that still wouldn't happen. Now, Beth and I, um, we were in a church once, and I had to fill in and manage the finances of this church for a period of time. Some of you have heard me tell this story. And um, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to numbers. They're kind of my thing. Uh, I love numbers. I'm all about it. Jewel and I, yeah, we get it, right? <laughs> Spreadsheets. I was showing Beth the spreadsheet Friday night. That I was building. Like, check out this, right? She's like, what else? She's like, can you change the font? Um, <laughs> every time. Are you gonna make this look better? I was like, this is first draft. Just leave me alone. First draft. <laughs> but, but in in this church. I sat down, um, I was filling in. The person who did the finances was out. And I sat in to fill in, and the first thing that I saw, first off, there wasn't a church ledger. So that was already like, I was freaking out in my brain. And then, and then I, I pulled the bank account, like, what's going on? And I see, bounce check, bounce check, bounce check, bounce check, bounce check. There, we, were, we were spending over, I can't remember the number, it was two or $300 a week in charges for bouncing checks. Now, I sit down and I go, oh no, because Tommy's gonna have to say something. <laughs> and I was, I, was, I was crunching numbers, I was trying to figure things out, and I was like, why are we even writing these checks? We know the money's not there, right? You know, like, it's not there, like, why are, we, why are we doing these things? Like, it's just ruin our reputation, like all these different things, right? And, I, and I'm, so I'm, I'm a hot mess, and so I was like, I gotta meet with the pastor, and I sit down with the pastor, I said, brother, we got a problem. Because one off, we're writing bounce checks left and right, which I ain't going to write no bounce check. I'll just tell you right now, it ain't happening. Uh, my Herbie Hancock ain't going on there, right? And so two, that's a Tom Boy reference if you haven't seen that movie. Two, we got to get this right. Because for me, for me, I was having to be a steward of God's finances. And I can tell you that for her and I, that is not something that we take lightly. At all. At all. We, we, we believe that, that we are to be good stewards of the finances that God has equipped us to, to have in this church. And we are so incredibly cautious about anything that happens. I mean, we double talk, right? I mean, everything that happens to make sure that we are trying to honor God with that. And I remember sitting him down and saying, dude, this is a bad problem. And I remember him looking at me and saying, mm. he said, uh, the problem, Tom, is you've got too much of a business mindset and you just need to have more faith. I was like, brother, I ain't writing no bouncing checks, man. But that's, that's part of the problem that has happened in churches is that because we've poorly managed what God has, has given to the church, we have found it okay to poorly manage what God has given us. That's not right. We, we can't take the sins of another and say, well, they did it, so, you know, I'm going to do it, right? We, we still have to be 
generous. And so when we, when we started, I remember walking into work multiple days, talking with her like, how are we going to make sure that we don't fall into this trap? Because we see great people that fall into these traps. We see great churches that fall into these traps. Where financially they are so strapped that they're never able to do any ministry. All they do is maintenance. That's all they're doing. They're just trying to maintain what they've got as opposed to truly doing ministry. And we talked and we talked and we talked. And, and that's where we got this whole idea that in the guidelines of the church, that literally half of everything over operating expenses is constantly going up. So that we don't find ourselves hoarding. Right? Because if we just hoard, it ain't doing no one good. I mean, I know, I know people that have told me, oh, yeah, we've got hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. When's the last time you did anything for the community? You? <laughs> Not interested. We, so we as a church have to make sure that, one, we don't lose sight of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be generous. Right? We are supposed to be a generous people because we serve a generous Jesus. Now, Luke 21 I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 here real quick. This is, this is Jesus speaking. And he, it, says, it says on, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, that passage to me is, is so interesting because what we often want to do is use our lack as an excuse not to be generous. We want to talk about our needs to keep us from being generous. But look at the value that Jesus places on this widow's offering. See, Jesus didn't tell her, whoa, whoa, whoa don't, don't give that. You don't need to do that. I know how much, how little you have. Don't do that. He didn't stop her. He allowed her to give. He understood the value of the sacrifice that she was making in that moment. And while it's uncomfortable in that moment to maybe do that, we have to believe what the word tells us. Yeah. We have to believe that there is a promise tied to it and that God says, test me in it. We have to believe that. Now, if we're going to believe what the word of God says about healing and about deliverance and about salvation and about all this, why don't we believe what the word of God says about our finances? See, this, this book, this book holds such promise for us. And a lot of times we want to deny the promise because we're afraid to do it because we need faith. Now see, Bethany and I, I've told you guys this story, that when, when I became unemployed, and I was unemployed for two years, two years, that was a great time, great time, <laughs> I've told you that, but in that time, as soon as I quit my job in the recession, I had a good job, <laughs> quit my job in the recession, the first thing that God said to me is, you need to be consistent in your giving to me. I was like, good time, God. <laughs> this is the time when there's a zero dollar behind my name. <laughs> and that's what we did. And I tell you, I tell you that because we were missing thousands of dollars a month. Okay? Gone. And we began, we began to give more consistently and more than we ever had. And we, we were never in lack. Ever. Never were we in lack. 
I can tell you stories, and this is, this is just miraculous God things. Bethany, during this time, to make it better, two years of being unemployed, and about a year and a half into that, Bethany gets pregnant for the win, right? Hey, you know what? The best thing to do is when you're you know, broke and um, living in a, a house that literally we had no heat. We had no heat. We had to end up, well, we, we, say, we scraped money together to buy a heater, an electric heater, that we tried to heat our whole house with. God gave us a mild winter. It was actually great. Um, it worked out. It was only one day that I woke up and it was 58 in there. <laughs> that was a cold day. <laughs> it was a cold day. Very cold day. Um, that's, that's the day that you don't want to get out from under the sheets, right? Like, no. Um, but, but what happened to us is um, amazing miracles took place that we can't even explain. Uh, and I've told you some of this before, that multiple times we had, and the, the number was usually 200 or 250 We had $200 in cash that would show up in the mail, just cash in an envelope, um, multiple times. We had $250 miraculously appear twice in our bank account, which was really weird because I took all of our ledgers into Fifth Third and handed them to them and said, we can't find where this money came from, and we want to make sure it's really there before we spend it on groceries. And I handed them our ledgers, and they went through them, and they're like, it's legit. It's there, but we don't know where it came from. <laughs> Twice. Twice. I was, um, I was wearing a pair of my tennis shoes once, and the, the, litter, the whole bottom of my shoes were ripped off. Straight gone. No more shoe. Two days later, we get a box at our door with a pair of brand new shoes from me. Listen. God wants to do the miraculous, but we have to trust him, church. And that means in everything from our walk, from our salvation to our finances. And if we're going to have a strong root base, we have to believe that he's a generous Jesus. He didn't tell the widowed woman who had nothing, put in all that she had to live on. He didn't tell her to stop. And when we recognize what God spoke to Malachi, we must know that we're going to be a blessed church and a blessed people when we have hearts to be generous and we move on that. Now, the question becomes, and this is where, where it gets hotly debated, just so you know. Maybe some of you have heard this debate about whether tithing and generosity is an Old Testament thing or a New Testament thing. There's a lot about that. I, I, in the, the six hours that God gave me to prepare this, um, I was reading all kinds of stuff about it, right? About whether this is Old Testament or whether this is New Testament. And so what I did is I began saying, I want to I look about scriptures where Jesus talked about being generous. Now, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that it has to be a 10%. I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily say that. I believe that. That's what we do. That's actually what we do as a church, believe it or not. I don't know if you guys understand that, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you three things that we do consistently in our finances from a church perspective to be generous. The first thing is, is we, we, when we were launching the church, we were part of um, the, uh, we went through another, we went through all kinds of processes. Guys, I forget half of them. I should write all this down. But um, we had to um, present ourselves to um, headquarters in Cleveland, Tennessee. Now, people in the Church of God call that the Holy Land, right? Because that's where all the big wigs work. Uh, anyways, 
So we had to we had to present the same thing that we presented to the church planning committee uh, because they were looking to plug in and give us some initial funding. And the re the reason they did that is because we as a church, uh, a denomination, believe that we need to plant more churches so that we can reach more people for Jesus. Okay. And so what happened is they put, they created this church planting bank that they started just funneling money into. People started making donations all over the world to feed in this thing. And before they knew it, they had a, a, a great group of, of people who had given to where they were able to start funding church plants, start help them with some initial expenses to get them up off the ground. And so for us to plug into that, we had to communicate our vision and what we were doing and where we were at and all that stuff. So as we, we did that, um, they ended up um, being generous towards us to help us Launch, and that's part of why you're on the pews that you're sitting on today. Literally, it was a miracle. What a month before we launched the church um, is when it happened. It was crazy. But what I'll tell you is that what we do is we take a tenth of everything that comes into the church, and we are sowing that right back into that church planning fund right now. Okay. So we, as a church, we give a tenth into that. We as a church, we support two missionaries right now. We don't support, we don't financially, we can't do a whole lot for them. I think we give them, what, $50 a month right now. We support a missionary uh, group in um, Nicaragua, uh, Chris and Carmen McBeath. They've been here a couple different times. We also support missionaries in Preston, England. Um, they work with Youth for Christ, and uh, um, they haven't been able to be at a service, but they usually try to make sure they come and see us when they're in. And, and uh, I, we talk with them. So we give that, and then we give our boldly generous on top of that, okay? We, we align that because we believe that that's what we're called to be in Malachi. But did Jesus really want us to be generous? And here's what I found. I'm just going to read this real quick. In Matthew 5.42, Jesus said, give to the one who asks you. Matthew 19.21, he says, if you want to be perfect, go, sell all your possessions, and give to the poor. Matthew 23.23, I love this one. Jesus said, Woe, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You gave your tenth, but neglected injustice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should practice both. That's literally what he said. Hey, yeah, you gave your tithe, but you know what? You didn't give justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And so you need to be doing both. Jesus told them that. Luke 6, 38, he says, Give and it will be given to you. Luke 12, 33 said, said again to sell your possessions and give to the poor. Luke 19 is a story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, right? Many of you have heard that story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has a transformation, comes to know Jesus, and as soon as he is saved, what he does is he gives half of his possessions to the poor, and he promises that he's going to pay back anyone that he has cheated four times the amount that he took from them. Now, when I read that, one of the things that it tells me is when you hear that story of Zacchaeus, our transformation, when we, when we come to know Jesus, it should be about more than just our words that we use or the places that we go. See, because what we want to do as a church is we want to say, well, once you get saved, you don't say these words no more, and you don't go to these places, and you don't eat or drink these things, right? That's what we want to do. But we want to skim over the fact that transformation for us, it should involve every aspect of our life. When you meet Jesus Christ and you believe he is truly God, then there is a piece of you that's going to say, I want to follow what this word says. Yeah. And Zacchaeus, when he came to that knowledge, what he did is he sold half of, or he took half of what he had and immediately gave it to the poor. He immediately became generous. See, generosity should ooze out of Christians. It should be 
It should be everything that we are, everywhere that we go, we should have footprints of generosity. That when people look at us, they should say, that is a generous person. That is a generous church. But we've lost that. We've lost that partly because, you know, part of what that book tells me is that um, it, was, it was talking about how within generations what happened is we started putting expectations on churches. Now, there is a massive church that's moved in over in, um, where is that? Is that Lebanon, I guess? Yeah. yeah. Massive church in Lebanon. Fantastic church, okay? What immediately happened to all of the churches around there is they immediately felt pressure that they had to start trying to do everything that they were doing. Well, they've got lights, and they've got this, and they've got the stage set up, and they've got this, and they've got that. And you know what? That's where we become guilty. Because we want to put that on a building, or on a pastor, or on a place. And let me tell you something. We ain't going to do it. I just ain't going to do it. Because here's why. Here's why. If, if I could very easily take our funds, reinvest them into the church, and fix that for chandelier. Yeah, I got it right now. Right? We've talked about my fourth chandelier ever the, since the first night. Jerry was here. He remembers. Yeah. I don't ever have plans to turn that fourth chandelier on. I don't. We we could we could reinvest and we could do something. And listen, I got a designer wife here that could give me the most amazing things to do that would just blow our minds. But the reality is, is when God called us to start this church. He called us to get back to the basics of who Jesus was and who his church was intended to be. That means we need to be generous. In everything that we do, we have to be generous. This is not all, this is this is what God has called us to do, church. This has to be part of our root base. We have to be found generous. And so I, what I love is that this, you know, this whole thought of taking this boldly generous offering and putting it back into the hands of the people, right? Putting it back in your hands to now go do it yourself. Now, see, we've picked organizations. We've talked to different places. We've talked to different people that we've been doing that for the last eight months, right? Eight months or so. You know, we've given to the exchange, the youth program that they've started in Goshen. We've given to the Goshen War on Heroin a couple of times. We've given to um, the Goshen um, Education Foundation when we first started. We've given to all these different things. But this month, it's going to be a challenge because it's going to be on you. And what I love about that is it is going to stretch some of you. Because when I put this in your hand, and when I tell you to go do something with it, you gotta, you got to figure it all out, man. You gotta figure out the right timing. You gotta figure out the right place. You gotta figure out who's the right person. As soon as we started on this, Bethany was like, I know. She's like, I already know. She already had something on her heart. I don't even know what it is. I, I have no clue. I have no clue. And people, again, saying, hey, I, I know. And, and this, is, this is it. This is you guys walking this out. Because this is not the only time that I want you to do this. For some of you, it may be the first time that you do this. It may be the first time that you just take this and go do something for someone just out of the blue, totally random, right? Some of you are going to say, I'm totally used to that. I've been doing that, and that's fantastic. But I believe that this is going to be a starting point for some of you. And I believe what it's going to do is it's going to open you up to figure out how do you be generous every single day. 
Now, there's a lot of different ways that we can be generous. Financially is one of those one of those things. It's often one of the number one. You can also be generous with your time, right? That's something that's it's difficult for us, right? Time is a difficult thing for us, and uh, and we we try to squeeze things in wherever we can um, so that we can try to be as generous as we can in that area. Um, generous for you might be in, in doing something for someone. You know, I think Daniel Tiger sings a song. What is the song about? You show love to someone by doing something for them. Make something for them. Sorry, I'm just gonna dance and be Daniel Tiger. Make something. Making something is one way to say that I love you. Yeah. It's a really great song. You should look it up. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. That was a freebie there, people. <laughs> here's what it comes down to. Tiff, if you would come. Here, here's what it comes down to. First John, chapter three. I want you to turn turn with me here because when I when I read this scripture today. Um, it was, it was just it. It was just, it was just where it comes to for me and where it has to come to for us. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as, as we get ready to close here. This is what it comes down to us. Individually and as a body, as a church. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? Man, when I read that, it messed my brain up for a little while. Still does. Because when I read that, what it's saying to me is that the love of the Father is evident based on our response to lack. What do we do when we see lack, how do we respond? Do we think about how we need that money to buy that other thing that we really want? Do, do, we, do we continue to pour into something else that isn't producing fruit? Do we continue to hoard our own selves, right? And keep things to ourselves to prevent from just being bold and doing what God has called us to do. You know, as a church, it, it could be very, very easy for us to become inward focused. There, there's, there's a lot of things that wire you as a church to try to be inward focused, right? Things break. <laughs> things, things don't work right. I, could, I feel like I was going to name something off that just broke this week. No, I was, I was cutting. Listen, I'm, I am such a thrifty guy, just so you know. I will try anything to just figure it out myself. The only thing I didn't really do myself in here was probably lay the carpet. Because that would have looked really bad. <laughs> it would have been weird squares all over the place. Y'all be like, mm, this didn't work for me. And so we, we, will, we will sacrifice everything we can so that we can, we can make sure that we're being generous. See, when generosity is at the core of who you are, you will do things and you will take things on yourself so that you can maintain your generosity. See, it can be simple for us to just hire people to do stuff. Right? We, we could, we could, I could hire someone to, to do the, um, the disgusting bathrooms that I'm playing with right now, right? We could do that. We could pay for that. And we'd be okay. We'd be okay. We'd make it happen. But God's called us to be generous more than to, to have nice things. 
And I believe that we, as a people, we need to we need to understand that when we see lack, we need to have a response to that. And that response should be the love of God. It should come out of us because that's what this is talking about. Now that that first that first statement, if anyone has material possessions, okay, fortunately in America, we've all got that. There's not, a, there's not a one of us. My boy Judas has got material possessions. I trip on him every day. <laughs> Literally every day. <laughs> but I believe that God is going to bless our church. And I believe that God wants to bless you. Because I believe that our transformation should include generosity. We shouldn't all of a sudden just stop saying bad words. We shouldn't say bad words, I guess. I guess I should say that. Bethany would be like, that's your clause for the night. But we should be generous in all things. And generosity is challenging. It's challenging. It'll stretch you. It'll push you. It'll make you look twice before you spend a dollar. But God has called us to be generous. And he wants you to be generous because he, he has a promise in that generosity for you. And I'm telling you right now, Bethany and I, we have... We have been through that journey, and we have tested God. And I, I want to share this last story with you before we pray. We were, um, we had taken a leap of faith right after I was unemployed. I got a, I got a job, um, and I started working. And probably three weeks into this new job, Bethany had Judah. And uh, so she was taking her time off. And we were praying, and we believed with everything in us that God intended for her to be able to stay home with these babies. She had a great job, fantastic job. She was amazingly awesome, right? And God gave us the faith to just step out and say, you know what? I believe that God's going to meet this need. And we saw God do miraculous things, things that just didn't make sense. But what happened is one day we felt that we felt the Lord lead us to plant a seed. Now, I have planted a lot of seeds in my life, and I don't mean just financial seeds. I mean, I told you the two-acre garden deal. That was a lot of seeds, right? And when you plant a seed, there's an expectation that something's going to grow. That's natural. And God, God led us to plant a financial seed. To believe that God was going to give us the ability to be even more generous than we had ever been. And what that meant is that we had to, the seed that God led us to give was to take, I believe it was entire week of pay and just give it all to God. And that didn't make sense according to the checkbook at all. Trust me, we talked about it. And we sowed that seed, and we said, God, we believe that you're going to reap a harvest. Within 30 days, was it 30 days? So it was like a 30-day bean, right? Within 30 days, God had moved miraculously, I mean miraculously, in our finances to shift our income, $30,000. Now, I am not preaching, I am not saying that to try to preach a prosperity gospel to you. I am not telling you that when you give money, God just makes it rain money on you. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm talking to you about being generous from your heart, whatever that looks like. God has called us to be generous. And God holds promise for us when we walk out generosity. And a transformation when you meet Jesus Christ involves becoming generous. Now, as I told you, this isn't a comfortable message for me to share with you. But it's in the word of God. And I believe that it is true. And what I, what I will say to this, and, I've, and when, when I, I talked about this months ago with Bethany, the one thing that I would be wrong to do is to hide what God has for us. This is something God has for you. It's something he has for all of us. And as we walk that out faithfully as a church and as individuals, I believe that we are going to see a generous Jesus do generous things in our lives. I believe that's who he is. And that's got to be a part of our root base. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that you have destined us to be a generous church. And that, God, you have destined us individually to be generous people. God, I believe your word. And I believe that as we walk out this generosity, that, God, you will do great things in our life. God, whether, whether it looks the way that we have seen in our life or whether it looks like protecting the crops that we currently have, God, whatever that looks like, God, I, I trust you in that. And God, I pray that we as a church will find ourselves being even more faithful to you. That in everything that we do, that God, we will continue to be generous. God, don't let us lose sight of who you were when you walked this earth. Don't let us lose sight of what you did when you were here. Let us be generous like you. That God, when we see lack, that God, the love of God just pours out of us. That we just, we just begin to, to just lavishly give because God, our heart is to give. Not out of, not out of pressure, not out of condemnation, not out of a, a fear that, that someone is rallying us and saying that we have to give and you have to give today and you have to, none of that, God, but that out of our free will that we will bring offerings. And that God, out of these offerings that God, we will continue to give, that we will meet lack like we have never met lack before. And that God, as I read this number, God, and as I see that how, how we as a body of Christ could impact the entire world, God, I pray that you would bring our churches back to that. That every church would, would, would just be filled with such a hunger, God, to change the world. And not just their building, not just their situation, not just their, their, their loan. Just, just that, God, they would, we would desire to change the world with the finances that you have entrusted us to. God, let every single one of us in this house be good stewards of what you have entrusted us with. God, from, from the individual to the church to the business leader. Let us all be faithful and trust you. God, we love your word and we trust you with everything in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.